Do Christians worship one God or three? How does God describe himself in his word? A biblical defense of the Trinity is our topic this week on Creation Magazine Live. God's Word, the Bible, is an accurate account of creation and it tells us how people can have a relationship with the Creator. Honoring God and explaining aspects of His Word is the focus of this podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Calvin Smith. And I'm Richard Fangrad. And our topic this week is... Is uh, Jesus is God a biblical defense of the Trinity? Yes, Jesus is God. Yeah, he is. <laughs> get that right when we start. <laughs> the, the first thing we could, uh, could, could admit is, not only is this a difficult concept to grasp, but it's actually impossible for us as, as humans with our finite minds to fully grasp this aspect of God's nature. Right. Um, but of course, this is what God has revealed in Scripture about his own being, so we should believe it. All right. <laughs> the doctrine of the Trinity states that in, in, in the unity of the Godhead, there are three eternal and co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are the same in essence, but distinct in role. Three persons, or three centers of consciousness, and one being. The different senses of oneness and threeness mean that the doctrine is not self-contradictory. Right. Um, this, this diagram may help to understand the relationships of the three persons being one God. Um, but images and analogies only take us so far, of course. Uh, they don't fully describe the Trinity. For example, we could say that the uh, Navy, Army, and Air Force are three distinct fighting entities, but are also one armed service. Right. That okay. might be helpful to point... Um, to, to a point, but uh, that it suggests that these three persons are parts of God, uh, and that's where the analogy breaks down, right? That's not a true analogy of what we mean by the Trinity. Right. Each person has the fullness of the Godhead. As it says in Colossians 2.9, it says, For in him, this is talking about Jesus here, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, a, a better analogy uh, is that space contains three dimensions, yet the dimensions are not parts, the concept of space is meaningless without all three dimensions. Right. Uh, a common heresy is that Jesus is not God, that he's just an angel or a prophet or some created being, but not God, or that his existence only began uh, about 2,000 years right. ago yep. when he was born in Bethlehem. Well, you know, why don't we start with that? Okay. Uh, let's have a look at the first few verses of John's Gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, we read this. Uh, beginning at verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now we could ask the question here, who or, or what is the Word that's mentioned here? Right, well obviously a who, it's, it's a who, it's a right? Who. Yes. Uh, since John calls the Word he, uh, he was with God in the beginning. Uh, the key to answering that question is found in verse 14, where it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, clearly, that's Jesus. Right? right? So Jesus became flesh. He became a human in order to be a perfect substitute for humans, taking our sins on himself so that all those who uh, believe don't need to pay for their own sins. That's a key component to the gospel. Yeah, substitutionary atonement. Yep. Uh, so now that we know... Uh, that Jesus is the Word, let's go back and insert Jesus where appropriate. Let's read this again. So, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. 
Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. From, from that single verse alone, the doctrine of the Trinity is, is inevitable. It's pretty compelling when you say it like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. God is singular, yet Jesus is both God and with God. And with God, right? yeah. Yep. And uh, we'll get to the, the Holy Spirit, the third member of, of the Trinity, in, in a minute. The Bible is the final authority on who God is, uh, since it's actually His description to us about who He is, so we need to understand God from His Word. Yes, that's right. Uh, all things that are necessary for our faith and life are either expressly set down in Scripture or they can be deduced from it, including the Trinity. Some cults such as the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and the, the Mormons and, and other groups known as Oneness or Jesus-only Pentecostals, not to be confused with mainstream Pentecostals who do believe in the Trinity, but these groups are fond of pointing out that the word Trinity isn't found in the Bible. Now, by the same reason we shouldn't by the same reasoning we shouldn't use the word bible since the word bible isn't found in the bible yeah um, <laughs> but see the doctrine can be logically proven from clear teachings in scripture right uh, let, let's look at some of these here in deuteronomy 6 4 for example it's clear that there's only one god where it says hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one and note that the hebrew word for one is uh, ekad which means composite unity so uh, there are different persons or roles within that unity. Right. right? Yeah, it's also used in Genesis 2.24 where, uh, where the husband and wife becoming one flesh. The word for absolute unity is yachid. Get that Hebrew. That was yachid. pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. Ichad uh, and yachid. And and that word yachid is never used of God in Scripture. Right. So regarding the Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit, uh, scripture refers to all three of them as God. Right. The Father yep. is called God in John six twenty seven. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And, of course, you've got uh, Ephesians 4, 6. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Okay, and the Son is called God. For example, in John 1 that we, we just looked at a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. Jesus is both with God and he is God. And we'll look at some more proofs from Scripture that Jesus is God uh, shortly. The Holy Spirit is called God. In Acts 5, 3 and 4, uh, we read this. But Peter said to Ananias, uh, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did, you not did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Mm. So lying to the Holy Spirit equals lying to God. The Holy Spirit right. is God. Now, all three are distinct. For example, at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew three sixteen to 17, um, uh, and, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. 
Right. So there's a case where we see all three, all three parts are present in that case. The Son is baptized, the Father speaks from heaven, and the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, flies down and lands on the Son. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that we see that again in the baptismal formula in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Note that the word for, uh, the word name is singular, showing that all three persons are one being in the right. name of the Father. It's a singular name. Now, we're going to take a, a, a short break, but uh, much of the information in this week's show comes from an article by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati. Yes. That's on creation.com, and you can read it at creation.com slash trinity, or simply go to creation.com and do a search on trinity for for even more details and more articles. And we'll continue now with more support for the distinctions within the one God before we examine more proofs for the divinity of Jesus. Right, the distinction in persons within the, uh, the one God means that it's possible for Jesus to be the one mediator between God and men, as it says in 1 Timothy 2.5, and to be our advocate with the Father when we see uh, we see when we sin, sorry, as it says in First John two to, to uh, one. An advocate is a—it's like a defense lawyer, right? right. Who who yeah. pleads yeah. a case before a judge, and this demonstrates a distinction between the persons of the God. Right. In addition, the distinction makes the substitutionary atonement possible. Uh, Isaiah fifty three six says, "All we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him." the iniquity of us all. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's the one on whom the sins are laid, Jesus, and the one doing the laying, that's the Father. The distinctions within the one God are required in that case. Jesus said that his Father sent him in John 14, 24, where it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, Mm. and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And uh, he said that the, the Spirit was sent by the Father in, in the name of the Son. Uh, John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This also uh, 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 points to distinct centers of consciousness, right, within one God. Right, yeah. Uh, something else that highlights these distinctions is the fact that Jesus prayed to God the Father on many occasions. One example is in John seventeen one, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Now, this again shows that there are distinctions. There were distinctions, there are distinctions between the Father and the Son. Since Jesus was fully human, as well as fully divine, uh, and humans should pray, it follows that it was proper that Jesus would pray in, when, when in his humanity. Right. Honestly, most people don't have a problem separating Jesus from the Father and the Spirit. Yeah, that's not the but, main issue. <laughs> yeah, but is, is Jesus really God? Uh, yeah. Christology is study of the person and deeds of Jesus. Most of the uh, Christological heresies in the past were wrong about him being fully God. That's the issue that most people want to argue about, right? Right, yeah. Fortunately, the Bible gives ample proof that Jesus is God. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, we see, uh, we see that, Jesus, that Jesus is the creator mm-hmm. and sustainer of the universe. 
Uh, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. In him all things hold together. That's a very clear statement that Jesus is the creator. Right, because he has the ability to forgive sins. Who else has the ability to forgive sins right. but, but God, right? Yep. So Luke 7, uh, 48 to 50, and he, said, uh, and he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at t a table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Yep. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. why they were astonished at what Jesus was saying here, right? Yes. By saying he could forgive sins, he was saying he was, was God. God. And, uh, you know, just understanding that this is such an important message, this salvation through Christ. You know, many people have an understanding. Okay, well, I believe in, in, in God, or I believe in a God, a God maybe even that creates. There's a lot of people that are creationists. Yes, there's yeah. a, an entity yeah. of being a God that creates. And, and so that's fine. That doesn't have much to do with your standing with God. He, even the demons know there's one God, but they, they tremble, we, we, we read about. So understanding you know, salvation, is, is that's the whole reason why our ministry even exists when you boil it all down, to, to proclaim Christ, the Savior of the world. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, um, people have stumbling blocks in Genesis, massive stumbling blocks. A lot of people have stumbling blocks, yeah. a lot of stumbling blocks there. And so that's our focus as a ministry, but that's not the end goal. It's exactly. It's not just oh, let's all learn about creation and be really rock-solid biblical creationists. That's great, but it's a means to an end. Or even yes. creationists in general, right? right? Just yeah. believing, okay, there's a creator, God, you I know? Mean, yeah, that, that is true, as well as everything else in Scripture. And, and it's kind of like, if you can wrap your head around biblical creation with all of the other voices saying, well, no, it's not true, and science has disproved it, and we've got the fossils, so biblical creation is wrong, and yeah. that kind of thing. If you can wrap your head around that, then it, it hopefully logically follows that the, the other writing in the Bible, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where it talks about how we can be reconciled, sinful people be reconciled yep. to a holy God, will also be taken seriously if you can work your way through Genesis. Right. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, for those who come to him must come to him by faith, but must believe he exists. Yes. You yep. know, I used to declare that God didn't exist. You know, and uh, you know, going to a, a service where the guy did bust out some good apologetic uh, arguments against evolution, and then it was like, well, if evolution's not true, then there's what's the only option? A creator. The only but other then, game in town. Yeah, but then he talked about the law and God's law and sin, and I felt the weight of that. I knew that there was a right and wrong, but I. I kept doing wrong things, and he talked about Jesus as as Savior, and, and and how your sins can be reconciled to God. So there's that that process that took place in my mind, recognizing there is a God. Uh oh, now I'm in in debt to Him. What's the answer? Jesus is Savior. Yes, continuing with texts confirming uh, Jesus' deity, uh, we can look to, for example, Hebrews one verse six, where Jesus accepts worship. Uh, it says this: When He, that's God the Father brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And Matthew 14, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Right, he, he, he didn't stop them from worshiping him. Yes. I mean, if Jesus was just a, a good teacher, surely he, he would have stopped them and, and assured them that, look, I, I'm not God, and, and he shouldn't be worshiped as God, but he, he didn't stop them. Right, yeah. Uh, Jesus is identified with the Alpha and Omega, 
and the, the equivalent is the first and the last. In Revelation 1.8, um, and, and then 17 and 18, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Now, this is Jesus speaking, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Then, uh, going down to verse 17, John responds, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Right. And, and as the book of Revelation is concluded, the Lord affirms, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Uh, verse 22, 13, yep. and 21, 6. And, and this is a clear declaration of the eternal nature of Christ, hence deity, hence God. Right, yeah. More verses can be referenced uh, by these, but, but these, are, these are sufficient, I'm sure. Uh, and all we have, it's all we have time for. Uh, what, what about the objections? Let's, let's move on to the objections mm -hmm. to Jesus being God. That's, there's nothing new. Um, at the end of the second century, a heresy called Sabellianism arose. Sabellianism teaches that there's one God who appears at different times in different modes. Sometimes he's God the Father, and sometimes he's the Son, and sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. It's also called, called modalism, uh, different modes and so on. It's the same doctrine found today in oneness Pentecostals, right. that kind of thing. And now it was Arius who argued forcefully against Sabellianism and uh, was regarded by many people in the church as the kind of the chief champion against this modalist heresy. Right, right. yeah. Now, for those of you who know church history, you know the name Arius. Um, he had, had been so zealous in his... Uh, emphasis to in, in, in his defeat of Sabellianism uh, is emphasizing the different persons that he ended up making them totally different in substance, different in essence. In other words, he reacted to Sabellianism with the opposite error. <laughs> yeah. Arius based uh, all of his arguments on the passages of Scripture that teach us about Christ's humanity. Right. Here are some yep. of the verses he used that suggest that Jesus was not God. Uh, Luke 2.40, and the, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. He grew up. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Well, he, he gained wisdom. And he was thinking, that, well, if God, if he was God, why did he need to increase in wisdom, right? right. God knows yeah. everything. Yeah. John 4.6 says, um, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. He was weary. Yep. John 19.28, after this, Jesus, knowing, all that, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. He got thirsty. Right. And in John 13, 21, describing the events uh, in the upper room, uh, Jesus was troubled in his spirit concerning the timing of his return. He, he said, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but uh, the Father only. So he doesn't know the time of his return. Right. And uh, yeah. in, in Hebrews 3, 2, uh, Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. Right. Right. Arius said that those verses and others like them proved that Jesus wasn't God. He had limitations. He got tired. He got thirsty. He prayed. He wept. He matured. He increased in wisdom. He was subservient to the Father. And his key verse was John 14, 28, where Jesus himself says, the Father is greater than I. Mm. That's a pretty impressive array of proof texts indicate that Jesus was separate from the Father. Right. If Arius was right, then people who worship Jesus as God, 
were guilty of idolatry and, and polytheism, right? But yeah. if Arius was wrong, then his doctrine was an abomination, really, because it robbed Christ of the glory that he was due as God and made him into a mere creature. Yeah, so this is not a minor point. It wasn't a minor point 1,700 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not a minor point today. Yep. Jesus' true identity is critical to understanding Christianity. So what's the solution? Well, let, let's look at Arius' key verse, John 14, 28, the Father is greater than I. But this refers to the Father's greater position in heaven, not superior nature. Right. Uh, Philippians 2, 5-11 states that uh, Jesus had equality by nature with God the Father, but voluntarily took on the lower position of a servant. The same yes. argument uh, applies uh, to related passages about Jesus submitting to his Father's will, of course. Right. right. So how, how is that all resolved? In the year 325, more than 300 Bible scholars and Christian leaders from all over the Christian world at that time met in Nicaea, located in, in modern-day Turkey. Uh, they carefully examined Scripture, and they made this conclusion. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Right, the Nicene Creed. Nicene Creed. Right? Jesus is yep. God. Um, but what about all those texts that Arius pointed to, and people still do today, that, that talk about Jesus' humanity? The solution is just keep reading. All of Scripture needs to be taken together. If, if you cherry-pick individual texts here and there, you, you can pretty well get the Bible to say almost anything. It's how do you come to yep. a conclusion that uh, you know, overcomes all of these so-called contradictions. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now, taken all together, the Bible clearly describes Jesus as fully human, is what Arius was pointing out, and fully God at the same time. How does that work? Yep. We said at the beginning that it was impossible for human (laughs) minds to fully grasp that reality, the Trinity. Well, here's one more thing that you won't be able to grasp. There there are lots of things that that, that we can't grasp. Right. But the Bible clearly describes these two realities about the identity of Jesus. It also describes uh, the one and only God as a a Trinity. So we have to submit to Scripture. Yeah, the bottom line is to (laughs) to get comfortable with your ignorance. (laughs) Well, really, if if the God of the Bible is real, let's face it, there are going to be aspects of his nature that we are never going to fully grasp. Yeah, that's right. I mean, (laughs) just because you don't understand uh, something doesn't mean it isn't true, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, There is, however, the great majority of things about God and his creation that we can understand. Many people have questions about creation. Now, for answers, you can sign up for Creation Magazine. Yeah. That's, that is a fantastic tool. Uh, now, you can view a free digital copy online. A free, you, you can get a, you get a print copy and a digital copy. You can get both or get either, whichever one you want. But you can v- view a free digital copy at creation.com slash free mag. And you can see the, see the link there. That's right. Just, it's a sample copy. 
Have a look at the way the magazine is put together. It's an attractive magazine, and in article after article, what we what we try to do in the magazine, all our writers globally, yeah. uh, is is put articles in there that show that the Bible is true. Right. And then you can reason through to these various things, like the Trinity, for example. Yeah. Little little different than a creation evolution topic yeah. this week, but nevertheless, I, I, I bet there's a lot of people out there that are watching Creation Magazine live, that you like the content, that's why you're watching it, and uh, you'd be so blessed by this magazine. You just haven't got around yeah. to doing it yet. <laughs> so, yeah. so go do it right now. Go to creation.com. Uh, check it out. Check out the magazine and, uh, and subscribe. You'd be amazed at what's there. You've been listening to the podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out.